Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Welcome to part five of this series on why and how to create a sacred study space. If you haven't already, you might find it helpful to listen to episodes one through four to learn about the S and the A and the C and the R of this series. Just a suggestion, not an expectation. Okay, so this part is on the E of sacred. The E stands for eliminate. Eliminate distractions. Let's just, let's just do it. Let's just start with the big one. If your child has a phone, in my strong and research-based opinion, our youth should not have their phones in the sacred study space. Just being honest, I'm talking about distractions. It'd be a bit silly of me not to, not to start there. Now, if this will be seen as an absurd or, or possibly blasphemous request or expectation by your child, what I would do is I, I would do my best to explain the why. And if you'd like a little assistance, here's some why to share with them or anyone else who's interested. First why. The Journal of the Association for Consumer Research did a study that found when people are working their performance and productivity is reduced when their smartphones are nearby. You may be thinking, that's obvious. Okay, there's more to this. And this decrease in performance and productivity is much more significant with people who are prone to overuse their phones. Okay, it's getting better. But wait for it. Final part. Listen to this. I find this fascinating. The most interesting thing about this study was that it showed that even when the participants had their phones shut off, they still performed better when their phones were in a different room. I hope that made sense. Think about it. To further explain it, I'm, I'm going to read this part, this next part, straight from an article of the study entitled, Your Smartphone is Distracting You at Work, Even If It's Switched Off. Link for the article is in the show notes. So the article says this. The results showed that people performed best on the tasks when their phones were in another room. Even when participants were asked to turn their phone's power off, they still performed better when their phones were out of sight. Yet, when the researchers asked participants later whether the location of their phone had affected their performance, most said it had not. So that suggests our phones are influencing our behavior in ways we might not even be consciously aware of. Okay, that's it. That's the end of that little section. Listen to that. The impact, which is significant, and I hope we can agree, not good. It could be affecting us on an unconscious level and absolutely could be impacting, affecting our youth on an unconscious level. They might not be aware of it. Next piece of research. Another study done specifically 
with undergraduates resulted in similar outcomes. The students that left their phones in another room performed better on cognitive tests than the students who had silenced their phones and had them face down on their desk and even in their bag, but still in the room. So think about that. It's impacting our students even when the phone is shut off and in a bag, out of sight. But there's still a a negative impact when it's in the room and the student knows. That's wild to me. And I think it's a good thing to know. That for people, especially students, just knowing that the phone is there, that it's in the room, evidently this will still mess with their performance and productivity. Much of this research shows us that the the fact is we just aren't as good at multitasking as we think. Any of us. There's something called resumption lag. Resumption lag is defined as the time taken to reorient and resume a primary task at the end of an interruption. End of definition. So, a Stanford study showed that people who do a lot of multitasking with screens actually performed worse on task switching tests than people who reported multitasking less. Study in the show notes. This just goes to that thing that we, we're not even accurate in how good we are or, or think we are at, at managing screens. All right, final piece of research information. This is taken from the research article published in the University of Chicago Press Journal. The article is entitled Brain Drain. The mere presence of one's own smartphone reduces available cognitive capacity. And I'm just going to read the section entitled Education from this important research. Here goes. Education. Younger adults, 92% of whom are smartphone owners, rely heavily on smartphones. Given that many of them are in school, the potential detrimental effects of smartphones on their cognitive functioning may have an outsized effect on long-term welfare. As educational institutions increasingly embrace connected classrooms, the presence of students' mobile devices in educational environments may undermine both learning and test performance, particularly when these devices are present but not in use. Listen to that. Let it pour over you to read that sentence again. The presence of students' mobile devices in educational environments may undermine both learning and test performance, particularly when these devices are present but not in use. I hope all that the research shared is enough to at least have the conversation with your child about getting the phone out of the sacred study space. Okay, but when I bring this up, I've heard many young people say that they need their phone for class that the teacher asks students to use them. Opinion time. Teachers should not be asking and definitely not requiring students to use their phones during a Zoom class or an uh, on-site, in-person class. Now, disclaimer, important. If the phone 
is the only option for your child to access their class or their homework, this obviously doesn't apply. Now, I would hope the school district would provide a laptop or tablet if it isn't doable for the family to make that purchase. So to avoid being too bossy, I'm not going to tell you that you should, but that you definitely could share the research with your kids if they're wanting to have their their phones and their sacred study space and they have a uh, another device to access the remote learning if that's what's going on and to help with this to to help with the the advocating for it to make it more doable for students who really 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 like their phones talk about how they can check in with their phones in between classes and hopefully they're they're able to return from these check-ins to make it to class on time for their next class. Also, and this is, of course, totally up to you, but, but they can have their phones at lunch maybe and definitely scheduling time after the school day is over to access their phones. So many young people use their phones to stay connected with their peer group, which is essential, especially during these remote times. So we have to remember that. We have to remember that not all phone usage is bad. It doesn't need to be a no, never type thing with phones. But I do believe that it should be a thoughtful and scheduled relationship with our phones. And that that type of relationship is going to be a big part of making sure that your child can do what is needed with this upcoming school year. And always, always, always remember the modeling thing. It's so important that you, you use your phone and other screens in a responsible manner. That this, this modeling will be key in influencing their behavior or getting their buy-in. Okay, so that was the phone's part, which is the majority of this part. Moving on from phones, some suggestions. The sacred study space probably shouldn't have a TV within view. Shouldn't have video games all set up or or video game controllers in the space. There's a whole lot of truth in that uh, out of sight, out of mind thing. Other ideas, there's some pretty good programs to manage distractions. For example, on Google Chrome, two of them are called Stay Focus and the other one's called One Tab. So you can check these out. Important to know that any apps or extensions that are designed to eliminate distractions, it's important to remember if your kid wants to get around it, they most likely will. They're better thought of as as tools that can work to limit tech temptation when there's buy-in from the youth. Okay, what else on eliminating distractions? Let's get rid of the clutter. Studies show that too much stuff on your desk negatively impacts our ability to focus. Next, sound. Sound or noise. The best type or level of sound really depends on the person. But most research shows that if sound is preferred, then white noise is ideal. Now, sometimes music can be helpful, but usually music without lyrics is best. Apps like Calm, it actually has like this, this, this great part of the app is, is music options for different energies. 
It includes categories like focus and work. I actually use this one. My go-to music selection for getting stuff done is entitled Engage and is under the focus category. I don't need the, the Calm app to access these. You can find them in, in many different apps and, and, and locations. So back to the clutter thing. In terms of managing clutter, I really like the rule that we shouldn't have more than three personal items on our desks. What else on clutter? If, if there are a lot of cords kind of strewn about everywhere in that sacred study space, let's bust out those twist ties, a little tape, to make sure the cords don't clutter the area. So there you go. Some ideas. Most research-backed on the why and the how-to of eliminating distractions. Up next, final part of the series, part six, Decorate to Motivate. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again.